0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the
1: best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years,
2: providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you
1: need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is a milestone show. It's a special show. Show number 100 for 4 to 6 with A&B. And because it is a special show, we felt that we should bring on a special
2: guest. So I am joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, welcome to the show. This is your time to tell everybody and tell me how you feel about our friendship. What? If If you can't do it during a milestone show, then you can't do it, period. Okay, uh, moving on from that,
1: uh, Ohio State is coming off a 52-12 to win at Michigan State in East Lansing on Saturday. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit because it was a bizarre game. Ohio State was down five starters, 17 scholarship players. I think you guys know the deal by now. We're recording this on Monday morning, and we don't know what's happening with the Michigan game yet. When we do know what's happening with the Michigan game, we will have another podcast and discuss that, whether they're playing, whether they're not playing. It's going to mean a lot. Uh, but we didn't want to wait until getting that news to talk to you guys so like bear with us a little bit on that and we promise we'll be back talking with you once we know uh, what's going on with Ohio State and Michigan or Ohio State playing at all this weekend and what that might mean for the Big Ten Championship but there was quite a bit I think to dive into from the Michigan State game and Ari had an idea to play a little game based off the Michigan State game do you want to explain the game to the people?
2: Yeah, just uh, true or false. It's like a Scantron, but you don't have to fill it in. You know what I mean? The easier tests from college, which all of mine were easy because I went to Arizona. Um, I just think that it might be a fun way to frame this game because I, I thought that We learned a lot, but I also felt like I learned nothing. Yep, you know, and it's we we spent a lot of time last week, and I did on Andy's show, and I think we did a little bit on this show, just arguing about whether or not Ohio State was better than Texas A and M. And as I was watching it this weekend, like I felt like I was taking crazy pills the entire week. Um, And I I don't know if that's still going to be a thing moving forward, but you know, Michigan State is a tough team. I don't know that they're particularly good, but a tough team. And for Ohio State to be down. Uh, three offensive linemen having to move another one into a spot that he clearly wasn't ready for uh, just in terms of snapping and Harry Miller. And he he did settle down and he's going to be a great center one day if that's his... But, you know, still a a challenge to go in there and, you know, shut down the uh, offense that, you know, Michigan State had despite the fact that they played the wrong quarterback for three quarters. Um, And uh to go out there and put up 52 i think was the kind of statement game that we'd been waiting for and kind of the the game that you'd want to see out of ohio state as we continue to engage in these playoff discussions but i've I, i watched the game bill was there i have six true or false questions that i think would be an interesting way to dissect this but also play a game and potentially set up an opportunity for landis and i to scream at each other so i think it could be good yeah let's do that before we do that quickly
1: uh, thank you to everyone who gave us five-star Apple reviews after we asked you to do that and counterbalance the two-star review. We picked up like a dozen new five-star reviews. So Did uh, we? Shout, yeah, shout out to you guys. Keep them coming. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. All right, let's play your game.
2: Okay, let's play the game. True or false. In true or false form, and if you don't answer true or false before anything else that you say, I'm, I'm shutting the podcast off, so you have to just say true or false. And I have friends that wouldn't be capable of doing this, and I just wanted to make sure we followed the rules. Okay. Number one. Ohio State is better now than I thought they were on Friday. True or false?
1: Ohio State is better now than I thought or, they were. It's better than I thought I've, they were. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. You think they're better now, true or false?
1: Yeah. Uh, true. True. I certainly don't think they're worse. Um, I guess I could neutral but I think they're a little better I thought Michigan State stinks um, and you made a salient point that they played the wrong quarterback at the start of that game my man was rifling balls into the stands like he was Joe Bowserman, and they bought on the guy uh, the backup Peyton Thorne he was all right but uh, they're not very good and I didn't expect them to be but to be down three starters on your offensive line plus your like your next best tackle and you're making really four guys make their first start up front and it didn't really matter because of Justin Fields, and we'll talk about him later. Um, so I felt like I learned something about him. I felt the defense like was better against an offense that's not particularly good. Um, but overall, like I thought they showed a little something to just like go go through a weird week, lose a lot of guys, and then come out and like put together their best game of the year.
2: Yeah, I think I don't know if you answered the question a certain way because I misworded the question. So I'm going to reword it, and then I'm going to answer, and then you tell me if you're if you're Ohio. I think Ohio State is better now than I did on Friday. Yeah, true. Okay. Mine is false because I didn't think they weren't this good on Friday. So, like, I don't think that I learned that Ohio State was good over the weekend. And that was just – I wanted to make sure we were on the same page there. And you're right. Ohio State did come out and they showed some things. Um, They did everything that Ohio State fans have been begging them to do in terms of piecing it all together. Um, But learning what we learned about Indiana, especially after they beat Wisconsin without Penix Jr., um, and the fact that they were beating them up 35 to 7 and, and beat the crap out of them for the majority of that game, I don't think I needed to see them beat Michigan State 52 to 12 um, in order to feel like this team can win a national championship. So I think it's good and they proved something, but I don't know that it was necessarily insightful for me to feel like I needed to see that to know how good they were. Does that make sense? And I'm sure you probably yeah. agree with that. Yeah. But like nothing that happened on the field against Michigan State was like, holy shit, I didn't know that that could happen. Like, yeah. I, th- I thought that that was really on par with what and granted we've never seen Ohio State play uh, with this completely new offensive line um, alignment you know you had some snap issues with Harry Miller um you know there were some players that were out but for the most part this is the team that I expected them to be all along and thought that they were and I would make the case that Ohio State looked better for the first three quarters of the Indiana game or the first two and a half quarters of the Indiana game they did at any point during this game just because the opponent was better. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. I think the country views them as better now. I think the committee will view them as better. I think they cemented their spot in the top four regardless of what happens Um, in that committee room over the weekend as a result of what they did. I think Michigan State has some cachet as a capable team after beating Northwestern, even though I think that's also kind of a fake result. I think Ohio State really helped itself in the national conversation, but in terms of people who have analyzed this team, written a million stories about the recruits when they were in high school coming into this team, I think we both knew what they were capable of. Um, yeah, so, I don't know if I would have picked them. If you would have told me before the
1: game, hey, they're going to be down three offensive linemen and Harry Miller's going to start at center for the first time and they're going to win by 40, I would
2: have been like, no, they're not. Really? Yeah. By 40? No. I didn't. Well, when I saw the – when they released the report on – Saturday morning about who was going to play. I didn't think Michigan State was going to score a point.
1: Yeah, and that almost played out. They had like one good drive. Um, the defense was not impacted tremendously. Like tough, you lose Tough Borland, you slide Byron Browning, the Mike linebacker. He played really well. Might have actually like he was he was really good. Yeah, um, losing Josh Proctor is an issue, but not against that team. Um, and then Tyler Friday is like kind of a starter, so they lost some depth. But nothing that was going to make Michigan State any more capable on offense. So I agree with that.
2: I thought the final score would be something like thirty-eight to seven, maybe. Yeah. When I saw the report, like to me, I tweeted this before the game. But when the when they released the availability report and they had twenty-three guys out and the the players that were out, I thought you know if you were nuanced uh, like you are, Bill, and your wonderful coverage as they pointed out on the on the ABC broadcast, shout shout out to to Landis and the Athletic, Um, but. The line dropped from 24 to 22, and I tweeted out this is what we call from where I'm from a Black Friday deal, and, like, I thought that was a smashable line. And shout out to you guys if you did that because I didn't think that – like, 22 seems like a lot, but Ohio State's offense, I I knew that there was a potential that things would be discombobulated a little bit because the offensive line had to get in its groove and you had somebody new snapping the ball. And all the things that could have happened from that standpoint did, and it still didn't matter because Justin Fields – which we will get to, so how about this? We'll go to the next question. Okay. Ohio State's fear, number two, Ohio State's fear of being left out of the playoff is far less now than it was on Friday.
1: I think that's true. I'm not sure Ohio State fans are there given the uncertainty about this weekend. That Again, we still don't know what's going to happen yet. Um, but I think, regardless of like what you and I think about this game, and I think you make a good point about, like, us being closer to it, analyze it a little differently than the country at whole will and the committee will. Like, I think the committee is going to look at that game and be like, yep, that's a playoff team. Whatever questions we had about Ohio State, they lost five starters, they won by 40, their defense looked good, even though it's fake. Um, I think all that helps Ohio State. Indiana beating Wisconsin with its backup quarterback helps Ohio State. Like, it was a kind of a perfect um, collision of events there for Ohio State, I think, to really impress the playoff committee. In a game coming in where I thought it was just like win the game and nothing else really matters, they kind of did get like some style points in a weird way. So I, I agree with that
2: uh, statement. True. I thought it was, for lack of a better word, a sexy game. The offense yeah. put up a ton of points, and the defense didn't allow anything until it didn't matter. And um, maybe it would have been a little bit closer if Mel Tucker didn't have a cowardly punt um, when his quarterback, or the new quarterback that came in, Thorne, was 10 for 10, and they had like 4th and 3 from the 46, and they punted, which still makes my eyes bleed. Um, Maybe they would have scored um, and made it a little bit better. But, like, Ohio State didn't have the complete performance both in what you saw on the field and what the scoreboard represented this season. And I think Ohio State has played similarly as they did against Michigan State in streaks during this year. They did it in the second half of the Nebraska game. They did it uh, against Indiana. You know, you had some weirdness in that Rutgers game. But, like, for the most part, the team that we saw – on Saturday is who Ohio State is. Now, if they play a better offense or a team that has more skill, because I think that's what Michigan State's biggest problem is. I don't know that they have a ton of offensive skill. So when you play a team like Indiana who has Fry Fogle and had Penix Jr. at the time, they had guys who can make plays. And this is called football. Guys are going to make plays. Um, But for the most part, I think from start to finish, uh, regardless of the total amount of games left, I think you look at that Ohio State team, anybody watching that goes, that team belongs in the Final Four. So in terms of all the things that we're going to have to sift through of, is, is Michigan game going to get played? Um, will Ohio State find another opponent if it's not? Uh, will the Big Ten change the rule to get all this other stuff that's going to be sorted out, I think is one thing. But I think the foundational basis of a lot of the arguments that I had listened to last week about Ohio State was, they don't look that good. And like that's not true anymore, because you're only as good as your most recent game. Granted, Ohio State's schedule is horrible. I understand that. The Michigan game isn't going to do anything to help that. Um, I didn't need the Illinois game or the Maryland game to show me the same type of result that we saw on Saturday. I think the fact that you have seen it now will help Ohio State, just in the national narrative and the discussion of it.
1: What will your what will your tolerance be this week for, uh, just for example, somebody saying that Texas A&M might be better than
2: Ohio State? I think that's dead. I don't think he will say that again. It was crazy, and I, I told him it was crazy when he said it last week, and I think it's even crazier now. And, like, Auburn's a, a much better team than Michigan State, but anybody who watched both those teams play, and I think actually Texas A&M's offense looked really good against Auburn, but I think we all know what would happen ten, nine times, or at least ten times out of, or whatever. The vast majority of the time those two teams played, I think Ohio State would win by double digits every time. I didn't watch
1: uh, Texas A&M-Auburn because I was uh, writing. Um but there was like a weird play, right? Like the ball should have been picked off in one of his hands and it ended up being a touchdown, and it was like a pure luck play, and you know, like that
2: swung yeah. the game. Yeah, it swung the game. It was the third like they were in trouble. Like it looked like Texas AM was in danger of losing in the third quarter, and then uh Nix had one of the most amazing touchdown runs. I don't I know if you saw that. the highlights. I did see that would happen in the second quarter, but then uh AM AM wasn't being stopped at all, no matter what whether that happened. A and M was running up and down the field the entire game, but um there was a red zone play where uh, Mond threw the ball and hit an Auburn defensive back right in the hands at the five yard line. Tipped back up, and an A&M receiver caught it in the end zone. And that was kind of like when the game ended there. So that stuff happens. But yeah, uh, teams in get terms breaks. of complete teams, you know, Ohio State gets breaks. Teams, you know, get beaten. You know, whatever. I don't know. I just like if you watch both teams play, I don't know who's saying yeah that Texas A&M team's better than Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. So you were true number on that? four. I think I'm true on that, yes, because I just think that the, the discussion of it is going to shift. Okay. I don't think the committee is going to change anything. The committee kept them in last week in the midst of all the discussions. Do you so, think the
1: conversation will be different? Do you think that we'll, they'll still come out and say, like, oh, we had uh, you a know, robust conversation about Ohio
2: State and A&M, and it was close. We picked Ohio State. Or just going to be like, we
1: know Ohio State's number four?
2: Um, I don't know the answer to that. I also don't give a shit what they say on the television show because I don't <laughs> think they think about it before they get on there. Um, stop letting the secrets out. I got to write stories about it and I hope you read it. Yeah. I think that it's just like what he feels like saying in the moment. And that's that. I
0: think the rankings are the thing that tell you what they think, not what they say on TV. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven U S based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right.
2: Um, okay, number four. Three. Garrett Wills. Oh, number three. Is the answer to Ohio State's secondary issues resting within one of the freshmen who played on Saturday? Um, mm. That's a hard one, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um It's so hard to answer because Josh Proctor didn't play, and I think that really did mess up whatever plans they they had in place for the secondary. Like, are you talking about Ronnie Hickman, or are you talking about somebody else?
2: Talking about Ronnie Hickman, Lathan Ransom came in and I thought looked pretty good for the most part. Um, Yeah. I mean, the fact that these guys were on the field in crunch time, I I thought was an interesting dynamic, and I just didn't know if you thought if and when they had to have a discussion about personnel that if you lined one of those two kids up – along with proctor during a full healthy game that ohio state's secondary from a personnel standpoint you would feel good marching that team out in a playoff game i might feel a little better i mean if you're talking about playing ronnie hickman with proctor then you're talking about taking
1: marcus hooker off the field um and i think i'd still be on board with that although i feel bad saying it because i think this might have been marcus hooker's best game of the year broke up a touchdown pass had a nice tackle on third and long stayed home in center field for much of the game which is really all he's asked to do um
2: you can but, say false then.
1: Yeah, I think I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say with a one-game sample size. I think I'll lean toward false for now, um, but it's close. And I thought Ronnie Hickman played pretty well. I think he has a physicality that I like. I think he can play in the like nickel kind of cover safety spot that Josh Proctor had been playing, and then you can put Proctor at free safety and try to answer that question with, with him in place of Marcus Hooker. certainly think that's possible but I feel like I need to see more because like as much as I want to say like Ronnie Hickman looked really good in that role. I think you could also say that like, well, maybe Marcus Hooker's turning a corner and that was like whatever he did last week was, was a step in the right direction for him getting things figured
2: out. I don't know if it is or not, but because it feels a little unclear to me, I think I'll say false. I'm going to say false too, but I also think it's a close discussion because I thought Ronnie Hickman had the look about him. You know, he's a big physical guy, and aside from that stupid personal foul that he had, I thought for the most part he didn't make any glaring issues, and he just had that that feel about him. And I, I think I jump to conclusions more than you do, and I think we'll figure that out here in the next two questions. <laughs> but I, I kind of like, in my experience covering Ohio State and watching Ohio State um, dating back to, you know, 20 years ago, I feel like a lot of the people who pop and and become great players pop early, and I don't subscribe to the idea that a player needs to be in the program for two years to be really good. You know, a freshman might make mistakes. He might be out of position, but those are also true for the things that Marcus Hooker did this year. So, you know, if the guy is physically able to play in that alignment with Proctor, I think it's an interesting discussion or dynamic to see moving forward before Ohio State's put into position where they have to figure it out against Clemson because that game's coming, what, in, in two games? Yeah. It'll be the third game, so like you have to get to that point quick. I'll, I'll say false right now because I'll give Ohio State's defensive staff the benefit of the doubt in terms of them analyzing their roster the right way and having the right, right guy on the field, and, and Hooker did have a much better game. I don't know how much of that was improvement or just not playing the type of skill that can expose you Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of a hard decision but i thought it was awesome to see ransom out there and hickman out there to get some extended reps during times where the game was still even in question
1: yeah and and i think you know i i forgot this that like ronnie hickman was a borderline top 100 player in high school and probably would have been if he didn't get hurt in high school if he would have finished his high school career out healthy and then he had a knee injury that was rehabbing from last year and that's why he didn't play as a true freshman so he's a redshirt freshman but he's got the recruiting pedigree of a guy who who is certainly capable of and, and people on some level I think could expect should expect to play early on in his career in a significant way so if, if it's if he's the answer I don't think that's surprising uh, it's just hard for me to make those kind of sweeping judgments on anything defensively because of how bad Michigan State is on, on offense like it was a get right yeah. game in every sense of the word but and we talked about this after the Indiana game like the way the schedule set up you we just weren't going to get answers now it, uh, the risk of getting ahead of ourselves if something happens that the schedule gets reworked this week and Ohio State like ends up playing Maryland on Saturday, I might take a little more from that game if the defense plays well in that game because Talia Tangavailo is a good QB and they got pretty good receivers there. So I think we could learn something if they
2: play Maryland. Michigan. Has much more skill than Michigan State.
1: Yeah, and if they play Michigan, Michigan's going to be down to, like its third string quarterback. So um, I think there there's an opportunity potentially to learn something about the defense that I wasn't so sure was going to be there before we got to the playoff. But I don't think this particular game they're coming off of was it.
2: I'm going to add a seventh true or false question because right. I just want to, okay? Um, okay, number four. Ready, B? Ready. Garrett Wilson would be a first-round draft pick this year if he were eligible.
1: Oh, it's really close. Um, I would say maybe no only because he hasn't played that much. I think I say false because he hasn't played that much. And that matters when people are making, like, talent-wise, you're shaking your head at me. Like, talent-wise, I think he's good enough, but draft evaluators make stupid decisions sometimes based off experience. I think he's yeah. right on the fringe. Like, do you think, let's do this. I looked at Dane Brugler's mock draft. I look at his top 50 players. Do you think yep. that he's better than Jamar Chase?
2: I don't. Uh, I think he might be, but not yet. That would be disrespectful. Jalen Waddle. His ankle's broken, so I don't think that okay. counts.
1: Okay. Devonte Smith.
2: Production, no, but I think he's every bit as good as all of them.
1: Rashad Bateman. Yes. So those were Dane's four first-rounders. The other ones he had in the top 50 were Terrace Marshall from LSU, Chris Olave, which is interesting, and Rondell
2: Moore. Um, I think he's a better draft prospect than Olave.
1: I think he is, too. I think he is better than all of those. Like, he's not, I don't think he's better than Chase. I think I'd probably take Devontae Smith over him. Waddle's hurt, so that's hard. But then I think you have a discussion, like a real discussion. So, well, would he be a first-round pick this year? I think I'm talking
2: myself into it. Okay, that's like true. I think it's true. I think all you have to do is look at him. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not a talent evaluator. I don't go to the M- NFL Combine and watch people run the box jumps and, and you know, yeah, this guy's really good. I mean, I just turn on the film and here's the thing. Outside of Michael Thomas, who wasn't even used in college, I don't know that I would take any receiver the last 10 years over him. At Ohio State. Yeah, I agree with that. And you've got Terry you got Terry McLaurin out here as a potential number one receiver out here scoring touchdowns every week and becoming a huge fantasy asset in our fantasy league. And it's just like – I used to think Terry McLaurin sucked when he was in college, and I couldn't have been more wrong. In his final year, he, he really blossomed into the player that he was, but I always just thought he was like a try-hard special teams guy. Now he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. It's just like if you look at this guy – the way he runs, the way he catches it, the confidence, the way he plays, everything about him. I think he's one of the best receivers I've ever seen. And I don't know if we need to see another year of him getting 160 yards against Michigan State to get him drafted.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see him more, and it's not his fault, it's just the nature of the offense and the teams they play. And he's certainly done this. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I'd like to see him make more catches like in contested situations. Yeah, he's wide open a lot.
2: Yeah, like the Michigan catch last year, but like more of those. Like, well, like the Clemson Fiesta ball catch was absurd. Yeah, yeah, that was absurd. Yeah, and, that's, and he'll, and he'll have that to do that. Yeah, he'll have to do that if Ohio State and when Ohio State gets to the playoff. Um, I, I just don't doubt that he's capable of doing that regularly. Um, yeah, and like agree. when you start, and that's like when you start comparing him to the other four first round draft picks potentially in this year's draft. Um, it's hard because you've seen them do it for longer periods of time. But I am ready to say that he's capable of all those things, and I don't need to see the next year to know that that's what it's going to be. Like, it's what it's going to look like next year. I don't know that that's like a mystery. Yeah. Okay, ready? Number five. Let's do it. Okay, so we're
1: both true on that. You, are you true or false on that? I think I talked myself into it being true. It's it's close again, but I'll
2: lean towards true. Five. In the limited reps that Mayon Williams had uh, late in the Michigan State game, he did enough to prove that he should get more looks, along with Master Teague and uh, Sermon. Uh,
1: false. Um, it's like we do this every time a guy looks good in garbage time. Um, I think it's Like it's not. He ran really hard. He ran like violently. I think is the word that I used when I was writing about him um, in final thoughts. I thought he was fun to watch. It was late in a blowout, I think, against backups. Like, the game was not in hand at all. So, um, no, I'm, I'm false on that. I like him. I think he's interesting. I don't know what he's going to be here given what's coming in next year, but I'm, I'm false. I don't think he's a guy you put in the starting rotation.
2: Can we do um, another, like, true or false question based on that question? Just, like, branch off to another one? Sure. Does Mayan Williams have more wiggle than the starting running backs on Ohio State's offense right now?
1: I don't know that I saw that. So false? Uh, Yeah, mostly, like, inconclusive, but I guess I say false right now because I can't say that that definitively.
2: Listen, I understand the concept of garbage time, and I also understand that you can't turn him into a starting running back right now because he ran for 25 yards or whatever it was and a few carries in the fourth quarter. But the question is, does he deserve more looks? What does and that mean? I would say, like, like more consideration from the coaching staff to carry the ball in first quarter of games that are, are close, for him to get more reps with the first team, for there to be more discussion of the way the running back position is employed right now. And I just, I've been talking about this all year, and I don't know if I'm ultra sensitive to it, because we saw Dobbins and we saw Elliott, and we've seen some tremendous running backs come through this program. But there is a glaring... In my opinion, a glaring lack of offensive playmaking ability in the backfield right now, and I don't know. Um, you know, Teague runs hard. He hits people, runs forward, and falls forward for four yards. Sermon had his best game at Ohio State. Uh, I know that there's reason to be excited, but I don't know that I would feel particularly comfortable about Ohio State's ability to make plays on the ground in a playoff game. And while you have two two more games, where um, you're playing against teams that are overmatched. It might not matter, but I promise you as we sit here on December 7th that it is going to matter when they play Clemson. And I don't know if Mayan Williams is the answer. I just think that it's worth giving him a run to see what's going on there because I thought he ran hard. I thought he looked like he had some shiftiness to him. I know he's a little meatball, so he wins the uh, the nickname comparison. And maybe I'm overreacting. I get it. I overreact. I'm wrong all the time. But just I thought it was an interesting discussion to have.
1: Um, I mean, I I think there are many, many Ohio State fans who who are in a similar boat as you, and I think part of my answer to it being false is just knowing that it's not going to happen because we saw Steel Chambers look good against Nebraska, and that amounted to precisely nothing for him moving forward. So I don't think Mayan Williams doing this against Michigan State is going to either, especially after Trey Sermon, like I guess, played his best game, although I think that 64-yard touchdown run you or I could have gained 30 yards on that. Um, His 25-yard run was way more impressive. Than his long touchdown run, Master Teague, I thought played fine, like sort of himself. So, I think they; those are their two guys. Um, I think there are other things that factor into it, namely, like do you want a guy who's five foot eight pass blocking for Justin Fields? Because I sure as hell don't. Um, and they're passing offense, and that matters, uh, especially if they're gonna be down offensive linemen. I think that factors into the equation too, but it's mostly that like it was five carries against a backup defense from a bad team in a blowout game and I don't take very much from that like ever so I'm I'm false but I'm intrigued I guess is where I'm at on Maya Williams
2: yeah I guess intrigued is the right thing but he's gonna be 5'8 for the rest of his career so it's just like how tall was Dobbins was he six foot no
1: and he was a terrible pass blocker Dobbins is like 5'10 I think he was awful in pass protection but he's super dynamic as a running back so it didn't matter but if you want to Compare the two, I'll scream at you for five minutes because that's ridiculous.
0: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
2: I'm not saying give him 25 carries a game, but I would like to see him carry the ball in the first quarter or go in their next game. If you want to give him a touch like. early, give
1: him a touch early. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not opposed to it though. Like I I just I don't. I guess whether he's worthy and whether it's going to happen are two different questions. I definitely don't think it's going to happen. I guess you could say that like neither Master Teague nor Trey Sermon has been so good that that you shouldn't be looking at everything and evaluating it week to week. I think that's fair.
2: Okay. Um. All right. Well, I think I just wanted to have the discussion, and you know what? I actually am here for you if you want to scream at me for five minutes straight. Like, I, I'll be that for you.
1: No, like if you if you uh, want to compare Mayan Williams and J.K. Dobbins in a sincere way, then maybe we can do that. But I, am no, just saying, I like, I don't know
2: that I don't know that the only thing about whether or not you can be a good pass blocker is height, right? Is it, is it, it what makes you height the problem? That the person that you're trying to block and overpower you, or that the person can put their arms up and block a pass? It's, or get or, or be a distraction to the quarterback because you don't have the physical ability. If you're like, little, just you like can from be a, from a good tactical pass standpoint, if
1: you're little, you can be a good pass blocker because you can use your leverage if you know how to do it. Like I'm not saying you. If I'm not saying, being short means you can't be a good pass blocker. Um, but he's little, and I would imagine there's a reason he's meatball that he's fourth on the depth chart.
2: I think actually fifth th- if
1: Marcus Crowley is healthy.
2: Yeah. I think that the reason for that might be, um, year uh, in the program too. But yeah, it's part you of know, it, for sure. Yeah, fair Inexper- enough. Inexperience. Okay, so I added. We've got two more because I added one. Okay. Let's guess. This one might take a while. But number six, that was the best game of Justin Fields' career. Uh, like I,
1: this is like my story after the game, and I came, I, I like stopped short of saying that it was i don't think it was his best game but it was up there it was close i think it was like the most they've had to rely on him in his career and if you couch it that way i guess you could certainly argue that it was his best game like statistically it wasn't but in terms of the way the game was set up and what they needed from him um he delivered in a major way i still think his best game was the fiesta bowl even though he threw two picks but given the opponent and the stage and how he played i thought i still think that's his best game
2: yeah is there another quarterback in the country? Okay, let's start with the Big Ten that could have had six or seven bad snaps in one drive and still let an 80 yard touchdown drive capped by that touchdown run that he had? In the Big Ten, no. I'd like, like to see like Trevor Lawrence in that scenario. Maybe he'd be able to do it because Lawrence is crazy good, but it's just like I watched the first drive of the game and it's just like I got the feeling two things. One, there's nothing that can happen to this guy where he can't make a play. Yep. And two, if you're a playoff committee member, how could you possibly, with a straight face, keep that player out of the playoff? Yeah. Like, I I, I don't know if it was the best game of his career, and I think I agree with you that it was the Fiesta Bowl, even though it, it ended poorly, um, just because of the opponent and the stage, and I think that has to matter. And I also think it's... A lot easier to operate as a quarterback in East Lansing when the final score of that game used to be nine to six and now it's like fifty-two to twelve and you're not really stressed because the other offense has no chance of scoring. But the guy is like infallibly good. Like I don't know what he can't even catch a clean snap and fall back on with the ball on the floor and not and not make a play. So I don't know if it was the best game of his field's career. But he he got back on my Heisman tra- straw poll ballot after that. I don't know about yeah. you.
1: Yeah, I put him. Where did you Where did you have him? Two. I had him third. I thought about putting him two. Who you have first?
2: Um, I had Trask first. Still.
1: Did you put Devontae Smith on there?
2: I didn't, and I think I might regret it.
1: Yeah, I had I had Smith second. I still had Trask first, so I thought about putting Smith second. I had Fields third.
2: Yeah, I I, I forgot who I put third.
1: But um, I do think that was the Heisman's weird because the Heisman like factors in stats. I thought like the committee is going to watch. The the committee has mentioned, or Gary Barda has mentioned Justin Fields specifically every time he's been asked about Ohio State. And I think like that game on Saturday was just like further proof that he might actually be the best player in college
2: football. Yeah. I put Harris third. And I don't know. You might take Lawrence, but I don't know that I'm taking anybody over him in the sport.
1: Yeah. And and in a year
2: where, yeah. yeah, And in a year where COVID is messing with stats, in a year where, Things are weird and nothing's equitable in terms of games played. I don't know that I, as a voter, would rely on stats. And I think if you sit down and just watch football, like there's nobody more spectacular in the game than him.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think more so than now, that's the that's the person. And it's like hard because Mac Jones probably needs to be in there. Devonte Smith. Need, you got the, the thing with Alabama is you've got three candidates, and I think that that's always tough. Like we saw that a year ago. Uh, With Fields and Dobbins, like when you have multiple candidates on the same team, it kinda you can't vote for all three of them, so somebody loses out, and it's like Mac Jones is probably deserving of being on the ballot. Devontae Smith was deserving of being on the I just chose Harris because I think he's a monster. But that doesn't mean that the other two aren't as good. It's kind of But I'm also not gonna put three Alabama players in my top three.
1: I think um, I think it was Bruce Feldman who made this point when I was listening to the Audible on my drive back from Michigan State, and he said he was talking about the voting Cause it plays out. It's like very regionalized the way the voting works and the Southern vote is going to be split by those three Alabama guys and Kyle Trask and possibly even Kyle Pitts, And it's like in the Midwest and like the West there's, there's nobody in the West. There's only like really one guy in the Midwest and it's Justin Fields. And it's like, he might have an advantage in that regard. It's like there's 900 voters in the Heisman trophy. They're strewn all across the country and regional biases very much play into the voting decision sometimes, and I think Justin Fields in the end might benefit from that. So, like, right now I have him third. I think most people would have him, like, second at best. But I think the Why voting... did you put him third, though, because of lack of games? No, because of the Indiana game. Like, the like he threw... Yeah. Th- and, the, and the best the best opponent they played in the biggest game they played all year, he threw, he threw, threw three interceptions. Um, he also played, like, really well outside of that. Um, but... I just don't. I don't think he totally erased that by doing what he did against Michigan State. But I do think this. I think this vote is going to be closer than anyone's anticipating right now because all those guys in the South are going to split the vote.
2: Interesting. Okay, number seven because I just feel like we have to have something about Michigan in this. Let's do it. Because if if the game gets called off in an hour after we post this, then at least we could talk about it one time because it is Michigan Week after all. and 35 minutes into this podcast, I don't think we've. <laughs> it's time for war. Ohio State's team total. On the sports books right now, for this week's game is 49.5. The over is the clear play, true or false? True. I think that that's easy.
1: Yeah. I thought, easy. too, the 30-point spread, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe the spread's 30. It's like, I like it makes total sense that the spread's 30. Have you watched these teams play
2: this year? Yeah, even if Michigan scores 31 points, they're going to not cover. I think Ohio State's going to get the 50 with ease.
1: Yeah. Because especially too, even if Ohio State ends up playing them and they're down a little bit on the offensive line, which I, which they should be, um, Michigan State or Michigan is without Aiden Hutchinson. Like their their pass rushes is, is weakened too. So it's like they can't cover Chris Olave. They can't cover Garrett Wilson. Justin Fields might throw seven touchdowns in that game. I
2: would, and I, would I also over, think that hit the yeah. over, hit the
1: team total. True, 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 true
2: true 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 okay well that concludes our game thanks for being a contestant bill i appreciate it
1: (laughs) that was fun that was good that was a good game I, i uh i love games i'm glad you brought that to
2: the table okay uh i love playing games with my best friend we'll uh we'll wrap up there uh
1: (laughs) like we said we we don't know just yet what's going to happen with ohio state and michigan but once we do we'll get back with you guys and, and discuss what whatever that decision is and what it means moving forward uh but we wanted to talk about this michigan state game what we saw what we learned what we think if anything we can carry forward from that so uh, for my best friend, Ari Wasserman, uh, I'm Bill Landis. Thank you for listening to 4 to 6 with a uh, Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Five-star reviews only. Subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com, slash 4-6. Thanks for hanging with us, and we'll talk to you guys next time.